Hello and welcome to Immigrant Journeys. My name is Hamza Janaid and this is the show which shares the beautiful tales of people from around the world. I want you to look around you for a moment. Who do you see? I can't even remember the beginning of this because it's been so long since I sat down. (laughs) Well, what I wanted to say is, maybe you're on the underground or walking through a crowd of people. I want you to consider those faces moving past you and think, where have they been? Where have they come from? Because the chances are that they're close to someone who has stories more grand than you could imagine. This is Immigrant Journeys, episode 6, with me, and we're talking about Brexit. Hello everyone. Um, Strange one, no? I have been away for a little while, and um, I'm back now, I'm back, I'm back. Um, I'd like to wish you all a happy new year, given that it is the 2nd of February 2020. Um, I hope that you set some nice, annual, lovely New Year's resolutions. Um, I have had a lovely month back to Amsterdam. I was in London towards the end of the year and uh, pretty much took uh, a good time away from podcasting, thinking about podcasting a lot, listening to a lot of podcasts. So it's nice to be back in the hot seat. For the eight of you that actually listen to this, I would like to say thank you again for listening and uh, for all the participation so far I will try to plan in some more people to join me Um, it has been the most interesting years of my life goes without saying Um, so January 8th actually marked the first year of me moving to the Netherlands and living in Amsterdam so uh, very very happy to celebrate that uh, that little birthday One of my friends said to me, oh, you really care about those things? And to that person, I say, you're not very sentimental and don't talk to me. So (laughs) that's just a little thing to start off with. Um, A quick disclaimer to all of you listening is that um, I'm I'm not sitting in my usual space of where I usually podcast. So if for whatever reason you hear planes overhead, you hear church bells ringing, just know that I live by a flight path very close to the Anne Frank house, which basically means that there's lots going on. There's a bit of history, there's a lot of transport taking place, and so all that means is there's noise, but it's nice. And uh, I personally don't hear it anymore because I've lived here long enough, but that is, that, my friend, is part of life. Anyway, um, we are talking about Brexit. Brexit, Brexit, Brexit. Say it ten times fast and it stop losing stops losing it starts to lose its meaning. And let's be honest. Uh let's hope that uh nothing too crazy happens, but uh, you can never be too sure about these things. So Brexit itself, um I actually wanted to do this episode a few days ago. I wanted to do it on Brexit Day, but uh, I'm doing it two days later, which is also fine. I'm gonna start off by reading what the uh, immigration department sent me. Um, funny how I was an expat up until uh, we were in the EU, and suddenly I became an immigrant after uh, after we left for Brexit. So, it says my name, my address. It's dated on the 30th of January 2020. So do you like the... I, I always like it, but do you like the sound of people opening envelopes? I always like it. I'm going to open it again. 
Isn't that satisfying? All right, so it says, Dear Sir slash Madam slash transgender community, the Immigration and Naturalisation Service understands that you are living at the above address and are a United Kingdom national living in the Netherlands or the family of a UK national living in the Netherlands and do not have UK national or do not and you do not have UK nationality or the nationality of EU or EEA, otherwise known as European Economic Area Country or Switzerland. On the 31st of January, the UK left the EU from first from the first, it should say. Of February 2020, the provisions of the withdrawal agreement apply in this letter. The IND explains what these provisions mean for you. The transition period. Very important, everybody listening. In 2020, Brexit will not change your situation. Your current situation will not change in 2020 as a result of Brexit. This is because the withdrawal agreement provides a transition period from the 1st of February 2020 up to and including the 31st of December 2020. During the transition period, you can continue to live, work and study in the Netherlands. You only need a valid passport. The temporary residence permit sent out by the IND in March or October 2019 was only needed for a no-deal Brexit. If you received a temporary residence permit, you do not need it because there is now a deal. After the transition period, you will need a residence document. If you would like to continue to live in the Netherlands after the 31st of December 2020, you will need a resident document. During the transition period, you will receive a letter inviting you to apply for one online. The application costs €58 for adults and €31 for children under the age of 18. Little public service announcement to all you Brexiteers living in uh, the Netherlands. So please reach out to your gemeente otherwise known as uh, the, what's it called, like the municipality of, uh, of Amsterdam or The Hague or wherever you live uh, within the Netherlands, there is still hope. We can remain. And, uh, you know, as always, the British government has sent me no documentation. Nice to know that uh, at least the Dutch have sent it to me in English and with enough information for me to find out what to do. So I think for the cost of 50 euros, I could stay in Europe. So that's pretty good. Um, thoughts on Brexit? Um, still quite sad that uh, it had to come to this. I feel like I'm. I feel like I'm a banished ex-husband of the United Kingdom. They let me go, and uh, it feels. Uh, I feel very lucky to still be in Amsterdam because I know that uh, this really would have been more difficult if I had. Um, not moved until Brexit had uh, well until after Brexit. Um, I think there's a lot. There's a lot. A lot has happened. So uh, you know, in the past year, past couple of months, some current affairs things that I were kind of thinking about um, off the top of my head, and certainly things that I want to be more mindful of as I step into the year, because I I definitely want to do this sort of thing where I talk to where, where I talk to a microphone more regularly and I think part of that is also knowing more about the world that we live around and I think there was something quite um important that someone said to me when I was in the UK in the last couple of months at my last job was that they said well you know what the interesting thing is going to be is the amount of relationships that now won't happen as a result of 
Brexit. You know, forget forget the politics for a second. Think about how the people will be affected on a day to day level. Because let's let's be real, the cost of living is rising for everyone, more or less. Cost of li- cost of living in m- most major cities is pretty high, and so we can't expect there to be many major cities that still exist that don't have a high cost of living. Um, at least if you're living in the centres of these cities and near business districts, etc. That's just a component of life. That's supply and demand, etc. Which is sad, but we uh, we've been locked into the system, and so we sort of have to um, play the game a little bit. Um, but you know, if I give my if I give a personal example, my brother, a British passport holder, or so we think, um, and his partner, who is a French um, passport holder. And I think, well, you know, it's okay they are together and so their their partnership can exist. But what if um, what if this was post-Brexit and maybe those certain decisions were more difficult to make and, you know, you weren't able necessarily to get to know someone before you were allowed to think about whether to make it more serious or not. And so with that, I'll just offer to all my European friends, if you want to get married... Um, for my passport the fees are very low at the moment so uh, please do take uh, full advantage of a UK passport if you want one I'm joking of course if the government's listening I apologise it's a joke calm the fuck down also sorry I've got a bit of a cold so uh, apologise for keep sniffling into the microphone I'll try and do less of it so that's the Brexit section done um, but I do think it's a uh, important time to reflect on these things because Brexit is not fun for anyone especially me because I wanted to retire in Portugal and now I have to marry someone who's Portuguese or get a job in Portugal it's just uh, it's not fair it's not fair anyway lots is ha- lots happening uh, in the world of uh, coronaviruses I think the last thing I read was 210 people have died, around 20,000 cases, something like 10,000 cases. 20. I'm going to go with te- I'm going to go with 15,000 cases. 200 people have sadly uh, passed away as a result. The first uh, cases of a death outside of China has now been seen uh, in the way of uh, Manila in the Philippines. The way I understand it is that the symptoms are that it's a regular cold, but it can be fatal. Um, Slightly worrying that I'm that I'm sniffling into this microphone. Uh, I know I shouldn't make jokes about um, mass outbreaks of uh, any form of disease, but I would like to also offer that uh, we should probably look into our stats of the countries that we live in and look at how cold and flu-like symptoms lead to deaths most years, and that uh, is always the case that for elderly and vulnerable people, they are most susceptible to being. Uh, fatally affected by colds and flus. So uh, whilst the coronavirus is pretty terrible, please also be mindful that uh, this outbreak in in, in particular seems to be very specific and uh, we should still take all precautions against, um, you know, contact within Wuhan right now. Please wash your hands if you're travelling to and from Asia. Please look after yourself. Uh, I'm not sure if the masks actually work, but please do consult medical professionals. I am not a doctor. Do not take this as any form of legal or medical advice. Um, What else has been going on? 
Um, Trump's probably going to get re-elected, which would be great for immigrants. Um, because, uh, as we know, he loves um, all people of colour. He thinks that there are some great people on both sides and that everyone should just get along. And that uh, traditional fossil fuels are great for the environment. Now, I'm going to quickly pause because I need to blow my nose, but I'll be back. Okay, blown my nose, feeling much better, feeling revitalised. So, um, I think one thing that I wanted to get across with this podcast and that I hope to do over the next several years of my life is that this is uh, this is a forum where I kind of vent about my opinion on certain things, but it's also an opportunity for me to say there, there are some very basic things that we can do to change the way in which we live and the way in which we interact with people from different backgrounds, right? I think the first thing I've noticed since moving here, and I think a year on is a really nice time to reflect on me being uh, an outsider to a new environment, is that, of course, there's going to be a language barrier. And the language barrier for me, thankfully here in the Netherlands, has been not severe at all, simply because the Dutch are multilingual in most senses i think a lot of them can speak you know elementary german and 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 uh, and obviously have great english language skills um and i think communication is a is a mo- is one of the most important things given that you don't want uh, any anything to be lost in translation but i think ans- asking questions and um being thorough with what your opinion well being thorough but being being <sighs> Having questions and 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 being thorough into figuring out why people f- think the things that they do is so important. And uh, my friend sent me something about uh, India, and of course, India is going through a bit of a revolution in terms of the populist movement uh, led by Narendra Modi and the BJP party. And um, Arundhati Roy wrote a very uh, very important and enlightening uh article in al jazeera i think it's called ratchet up hatred i think there's also a there's also a excuse me there's also an interview with her uh my friend shared this with me and we've obviously been thinking about you know how language can be uh divisive in many ways um we were also discussing just generally how people can come to uh, support in a populist movement now, again, I'm not an expert in any of these things. I just have a podcast called Immigrant Journeys, and it's the journey. So we're not talking about immigrant destinations. So we're learning as we go along. So please don't hold me to any of these things. My understanding at the moment, if we look at that region in general, if we look at India and Pakistan specifically, India seems to be uh, moving towards or has already moved to a right-wing nationalist patriotic party which is all about uh, hindus and uh, nationalism first over most other uh, sects within society and so there has been a lot of conflict in kashmir as a result given that it's disputed territory and a knock-on effect of that is of course uh, anti-pakistani and anti-muslim rhetoric which has been going on since uh, since the partition and uh, was instigated by by the British, of course. But I think what I look, what I see on the other side is Pakistan is also currently a place which has a populist party, right? So Imran Khan is a Oxford graduated ex cricketer who won the World Cup in 1992 with Pakistan. 
he also has you know big links to the to the to the UK uh, to the UK uh, uh, culture because he was uh, married to uh, Zach Goldsmith's sister Jemima. Uh, I don't know why I said Zach Goldsmith's sister. She is her own person, of course. But uh, Zach Goldsmith is uh, is a politician. He's a conservative politician. And Jemima, I think her name Jemima Goldsmith Buckley, something. Like that. I don't know. I think I think, she's, I think she may have remarried someone. I'm not sure. Anyway. He's of course. He of course has links to the UK in many ways, and so uh, what I'm trying to get at is, whilst yes, he does a lot of his speeches in um, in Urdu within Pakistan, and when he won the election, it was the first time I think he read it in uh, in Urdu because he said, "I want the people to understand what I'm saying, and I want my people to understand what I'm saying." So, an important national uh, patriotic stance to take. Um, but you also have to recognise that this person uh, is highly educated, perhaps comes from quite a well-off background, uh, given that he he was also, he also had the opportunity to study at Oxford. Um, again, I haven't really looked into Imran Khan's uh, um, upbringing too much, and I probably should have done that, but I was just thinking about it on the fly because I rarely write things down, uh, especially when it comes to this podcast. And so... The way I see Pakistan's politics at the moment is that it's it's left-leaning in that he wants to liberate a lot of Pakistan. He is talking a lot about restricting the flow of money out of Pakistan into offshore bank accounts. Um, but he's also but he's also rallying up um, the populace, the people who are seemingly haven't been heard from in a long time, which I think is always interesting because it's got a Trump-like element to it. Look, I'm a. I think I'm a. Um, I think I support Imran Khan and most of his abilities uh, as Prime Minister of Pakistan. Mainly because I like cricket, and uh, one of my one of my uh, aunts has a big crush on him, and so just from like a from like a outsider's perspective, because I'm I'm still an outsider when it comes to Pakistani politics. Um, he does have a Trump-like quality to him. He doesn't re- he doesn't really have the ability to relate with people at the bottom uh, in Pakistan. But he's able to get them motivated and uh, believe in him, which is a Trump-like quality, whether we like it or not. Um, because Trump was he's always a billionaire his entire life. But he's been able to connect with, um, with middle America. And so it's, it's interesting. You've got right-wing populist government in India, in Modi. And you've kind of got a left-leaning... Uh, populist government in in Pakistan. By the way, if you know more about this, please do let me know because I'm I'm not so sure on uh, on the on the specifics on this. But I I just I just looked at it from from an outsider's quick uh, quick tweetable version view, and that's what I saw. But back to the article in question, Aaron Dirty Roy, the one of the uh, is she in? What did she win? She won something. She's won. She's won some prizes. She writes some good books. If uh, if you want to read some good books by her, uh, the Ministry of Utmost Happiness is very good. And uh, what's the one with the two children who are little babies? Hang on, it's in my bookshelf. One sec, let me check. Let me see it. Oh, the God of Small Things. That's what it's called. The God of Small Things and the Ministry of Utmost Happiness. If you want to read anything by her, I would recommend starting with those two because they're great. Um, okay. So the reason I want to bring this up is because I, I wrote something back to my one of my bestest buddies about this. And uh, he's like, yeah, mate, well put, because uh, that's how he speaks. But he's, he's, actually a, he's actually a doctor. Um, 
wears weird glasses but he's a nice guy um and so the uh spoke a lot about patriotism within the context of india and i wanted to give my two cents on the matter and i will and so i'll read you what i what i came to and 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 the feelings that I had uh, on on the one side uh, and from an outsider's perspective, uh, even here in Amsterdam, there have been protests against the BJP government and the CCA and all the uh, types of laws that they that they have to kind of limit and ban uh, essentially freedom of speech or anything that's anti uh, anti BJP at the moment. Um, one of the biggest political exercises in the world is the Indian election, so we need to be mindful of that. So my passage to my friend was. Hey mate, I'm about halfway in. And the idea of it as a continent rather than a country is so important. It being India. When I was in India about 18 months ago, I was surprised by the amount of history that was linked to Islam or a mix of Hindu and Muslim ideals. The common thread is that Hinduism cannot be solely linked to India, just as Buddhism cannot solely be linked to Nepal. Ideals, like people, travel and forge different meaning over time. The failure of nations such as India and America right now is that it fuels the, p- the poorest among society to feel neglected for too long, then allows them to find a common enemy, usually a fringe group. While they support the leaders of the movement, the poorest are disproportionately affected in ways that they cannot or will not see. Their only stake in the ground remains that someone is shouting for them at a higher level, but economically these people will remain at the bottom rung as the ambition is not what is right for them, rather what is in the the best interests of the elite to gain more money and power. The interesting thing about the article is that the more likely someone is to believe in the BJP is the more likely that they are to believe in the caste system. Shackled forever continuously within samsara and ironically never truly being able to reach moksha um i probably can't uh, give the best example of of what moksha and samsara are given that i'm not uh, i'm not a hindu for, but for my understanding is that samsara is the uh, ability to uh, to be born and uh, be reincarnated in many different forms and samsara is the cycle of life which means that you may have hundreds if not thousands if not millions if not billions of uh, reincarnation types and so what that means is that you could live many lifetimes within this life uh, and come back reborn as different types of elements and so the caste system uh, almost uh, promotes that idea because if you, even if you are born uh, as a uh, kshatriya, you still have the uh, you still have the ability to become a brahmin in another life. Uh, moksha is of course the idea that you reach enlightenment, whereby samsara ends and the cycle of life has ended, and uh, you 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 almost reach this element of enlightenment. Again, I read this a long time ago, so if I don't, uh, if I don't, if I can't define it correctly or in the in the best pro- possible way, please do tell me. But that's my understanding of it, and I think you understood what I meant when I said what I said. India, love you. Hope I can come back one day, and I hope that everyone understands that we need to stand by uh, people who feel like they're downtrodden, even if it seems like 
uh, all hope is lost and that they have found identity within something else because these political parties are very temporary in the context of how history will write about us uh, and them. Um, and so it's, it's very important to document how you feel in these moments. Um, a bit of a personal one, but I guess this is a personal podcast in many ways. I actually write a journal and I almost write it from the perspective that my grandkids will read it. And so I'm very honest about it. Uh, well, I'm very honest when I read. Um, sorry, when I write my experiences and I try and be as descriptive and as uh, as biased towards the bad things that I've done just as the good things that I've done. But I want it to really, I really want them to understand that human beings can be good and bad at once. Um and it's okay because we're learning as we go along. And uh, people, people can just as they can be good for one time and bad in others, people can be bad for a time and then be good again. Um, and so we need to be forgiving of those things and of ourselves. So, yeah, I hope that when they get a hold of that, when I'm long gone from this world, that they can have a can have a read uh, of my life and understand. You know why it was I made certain decisions, and uh, I hope that they don't hold hold things against me. But hopefully, they also feel inspired by the things I've done as well. And uh, it also promotes within me this idea that I should live a life that's worth reading, because otherwise, um, just chasing the only religion I know, which is money, uh, can be slightly boring. Um, so yeah, I think this was going to be relatively short and to be honest, that's all I really wanted to say today. Um, I am staring at my books right now, so maybe I'll just read you a poem by Rupi Kaur. Rupi Kaur, if you don't know her, Google her. R-U-P-I-K-A-U-R. Uh, this one is on 100, page 111 of her book, The Sun and Her Flowers. She says, You have so much, but are always hungry for more. Stop looking up at everything you don't have and look around at everything you do where the satisfaction lives see i just opened it up and this is the first thing that came up what a great outro to an amazing podcast please do share with a friend please do share with your grandma if you have a grandma tell her you love her also i made gajrika halva with my grandma my nani over christmas time so i love you nani she wrote the um she wrote the what do you call it the the recipe in urdu in my notebook so very happy with that, I'm going to frame it in my apartment. What a lovely weekend. Everybody, lots of energy behind this one. I only had a quarter of my coffee. Let me have another sip. <sighs> lots of love to you all. Uh, I'm going to leave it at that. Shout out to Rupi Kaur. Shout out to Aaron Dati Roy. Shout out to Imran Khan. Shout out to Brexit. Shout out to... Uh, uh, what's his face? Um, Unai Emery. And uh, shout out to my guy. My one and only Giles. Alright guys. Uh, have a good one. Speak to you soon. Bye.